Welcome to Canaanbaum Podcast, episode number 60. I'm Tom Barthel, currently serving as pastor at Christ Lutheran Church, a Wells congregation in Baxter, Minnesota. This episode will begin with God's Word for You by Pastor Timothy Smith. God's Word for You, Job 19, verses 13 to 20. We're approaching closer and closer to the central theme of the book of Job. In this miniature poem, Job and our author grimly meditate on the two meanings of the word tzur. It means to alienate, but it also can mean to offend, and we'll talk about that more. Job says, He has alienated my brothers from me. My acquaintances are completely estranged from me. My kinsmen have gone away. My friends have forgotten me. My guests and my maidservants count me a stranger. They look upon me as an alien. I summon my servant, but he does not answer, though I beg him with my own mouth. My breath is offensive to my wife. I am loathsome to my own brothers. Even the little boys scorn me. When I appear, they ridicule me. All my intimate friends detest me. Those I love have turned against me. I am nothing but skin and bones. I have escaped with only the skin of my teeth. Well, Job's heart is breaking. And he sees two things at work. God has alienated the people in his life, and so has Job's own stinking breath. In the first case, there is a progression of people according to Job's culture from closest to farthest away. His brothers, his relatives, his friends, his guests, even his servant girls have all been driven away. In the second and more intimate group, his wife and brothers are offended by the ravages of whatever disease Job had. Job's society was patriarchal. That means that elderly men were held in the highest respect. But now Job has this slap in the face on top of everything else. Little boys scorn him and ridicule him to his face. Job is a man with a cruel disease, no means to defend himself, no one to stand up for him. Those who should be at his side have left him. Those who should be defending him are attacking him. As the book approaches its highest theological point, we see Job scraping the bottom of his deepest spiritual crisis. Where is my defender? Where is God in my life? Is God truly my enemy? Even Job's body is wasting away. He is nothing but skin and bones, and he has only his gums. The skin of his teeth probably meant something a little bit different to Job than to us, although our expression comes directly from the King James Version of this passage. We have someone on our side, even when things get so bad that that uh, there doesn't seem to be any way out. When the cry of the Lord, this is Isaiah 19, when they cry out to the Lord because of their oppressors, he will send them a savior and defender, and he will rescue them. We put our faith in Jesus our Lord, and that faith is precious. It may feel like we're just barely hanging on, but in truth, God has hold of us, and he won't let go. He has given us his very great and precious promises. That's Second Peter 1. And Peter goes on to say, We will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He has given you his forgiveness. His blessings begin there and they stretch out into all eternity. Uh, one little Hebrew note. We easily see the meaning of Zur, alienate, in Isaiah 1 and Psalm 69 where it's also connected to the separation of one's family. And this meaning of Sur also occurs here in verse 13. He has alienated my brothers. 
And in verse 15, they look on me as an alien. Now, verse 17 can be confusing for those who are reading the Hebrew text. At first glance, the first phrase looks pretty simple. Ruhi, zara, laishti, my soul scatters to my wife. Because zera is the call perfect third masculine singular of zera to scatter. But the phrase taken that way would just be nonsense. Of course, ruach means both soul and wind or breath. And in the same way, we must see that zera is also the call perfect feminine singular of another meaning of the verb tsur to be offensive. And that's where the translators arrive at my breath is offensive to my wife. Ruach, uh, a breath, is also a feminine noun. So tsur, to be offensive, occurs actually only here in the Bible, but it does occur often in related languages like Akkadian with the words zaru and its imperfect idzru to offend or to be loathsome to someone. In Christ, I'm Pastor Tim Smith. This is God's word for you. Be Still My Soul is performed by Chris Dreisbach on his album Hymns for Him. Be still, my soul, the Lord is on your side. Bear patiently the cross of grief or pain. Leave to your God to order and provide. In every change. still my soul your best your heavenly friend through thorny ways leads to a joyful end be still my soul your God the future as he has guided the past your hope your confidence in him let nothing shake all now mysterious shall shine brightly at last be still my soul and wind still know His voice who ruled them while He lived here below Be still my soul Though dearest friends depart Is darkened in the veil of your tears, then you will better know his love and his heart who comes to soothe your sorrow. 
be still my soul, your Jesus can repay, repay from his own fullness all he takes, he takes away. Still my soul, the hour is hastening on, when we shall be forever with the Lord. When disappointment, grief, and fear are finally gone, Sorrow for God, love's purest joys restored. Be still, my soul, when change and tears are past. All safe and blessed, we shall meet our Lord at last. All safe and blessed. Said we shall meet our Lord at last. Freedom in Christ is shared by Pastor Mark Falk. Galatians four seven to eleven. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And since you are a son, God has made you also an heir. Formerly, when you did not know God, you were slaves to those who by nature are not gods. But now that you know God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you are turning back to those weak and miserable principles? Do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again? You are observing special days, and months, and seasons, and years. I fear for you that somehow I have wasted my efforts on you. NIV uh, 1984 The Galatians were Gentiles, not Jews. The children of Israel worshipped the true God, Yahweh, the God revealed to us as Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Who even knows the names of the idols of the ancient peoples in what is now modern Turkey? Who really cares? They were just a few in the long line of idols created by men and promoted by Satan. The Gentile background was entirely different from that of the Jews. It was characterized by slavery to Satan through these idols. But in one sense, the Jews and Gentiles of Paul's day had something in common. The Jews had perverted the law of Moses into a way of salvation, that is, salvation by rules by law, by doing. Every idol and every false religion in the 10th century B.C., the 1st century A.D., and still now in the 21st century, caters to the call of the law that God has written in our hearts. Conscience troubles every sinner, and sinners go back to the basics. The basics are this. Please, God, with your life, and you will join him in heaven. All true, except, except that God says you must be holy, as God 
is holy. And whoever breaks one little law breaks the whole law. Uh, you can see this in James. Transgressing the law, the changeless moral will of God, is much like spilling gravy on one corner of grandma's tablecloth just before the bird comes out of the oven on Thanksgiving. This will not do. This cloth is ruined, at least until the wash machine does its work. One spot is enough. Turning back to those weak and miserable principles refers to replacing the law works of their former false religions, the worship of idols, with the slavish and outmoded observance of the law of Moses. Those troubling the Galatians, those people who claimed to follow Christ, but demanded the keeping of all the festivals of the Old Covenant, as well as circumcision and dietary rules and everything else of the Old, were really endeavoring to lead people who had been freed from their useless striving to please God back into weak and miserable things. The gospel is new as opposed to salvation by law. Jesus revealed the, the folly of pouring new wine into old wineskins. The old forms of the law don't fit very well with the new content of the gospel. In Christ, our sins have been covered, removed, washed away. We are not free to sin, but we are freed from frantic striving for a perfection that is unattainable. Jesus is that perfection that we cannot attain on our own. Let us hold firm to him, to his promise, to our redemption in his blood. Let us be careful not to make being a Christian such a tightly regulated system that we have become people of the old covenant in 21st century clothes. This is the threat that worried Paul. Not that the Galatian Christians would cut loose in sin, but that they would take their eyes off Christ and center them on law, for then his efforts would be wasted as their faith and salvation disappeared in the fog of the law. Finally, we have Moment with the Master, shared by Pastor Aaron Nitz. Hello. Thanks for joining us for a moment with the Master. Uh, the portion of God's Word that I want to take a look at today is from the prophet Micah, chapter 7, verses 18 and 19. And it reads, Who is a God like you, who pardons sin and forgives the transgression of the remnant of his inheritance? You do not stay angry forever, but delight to show mercy. You will again have compassion on us. You will tread our sins underfoot and hurl all our iniquities into the depths of the sea. It's just how it works. You go to the store and you're expected to give them money in exchange for food. You call the plumber to come out and fix your sink and you're expected to pay the company in exchange for his service. You punch the time clock at work because you expect to get paid in exchange for your labor. It's just how it works in our world, isn't it? Well, what about our sins? You and I have sinned, rebelled against God, done things we know are wrong, thought things we shouldn't have thought, left undone things that we should have done. We've been careless, unkind, the list goes on. We've sinned against God. In exchange, we get his anger, his wrath, his judgment and destruction. 
That's just how it works, right? Wrong. Thank the Lord we have a God like none other. We sinned against him, and in exchange, he forgives us. We sinned, and in exchange, he pardons. We sinned, and in exchange, he delights to show mercy. We sinned, and in exchange, he tramples our sins underfoot. We sinned, and in exchange, he casts them all into the depths of the sea. We sinned, and in exchange, he came into this world and died on a cross to rescue us for eternal life. Who is a God like ours? I'm amazed to have such a forgiving God, and so are you. May the Lord bless you the rest of your day. We'll close today with a song by Chris Dreisbach, For His Friends. Just so
You've been listening to episode number 60 of Kanenbaum Podcast. For more information, visit kanenbaumpodcast.com. This episode was first shared in March of 2014. We'd like to thank Chris Dreisbach for allowing us to share his music on this episode. We encourage you to visit a Wells Ministry location nearest you. Thanks for listening. Just for yours. How many friends do you have who you'd willingly give up your life for?